Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This is The Roy Green Show podcast. Our Prime Minister of Canada has told the New York Times, and we've talked about this, and it's been written about, and it's been reported on, told the New York Times last year that Canada has, quote, no core identity, no common denominator, end quote, and that Canada is a post-nation state, a post-nation state. Um, Trudeau is still supported, according to the polling, by more than 50% of Canadians, so he's got a decent approval rating. Of course, there's no permanent conservative leader, no permanent NDP leader to oppose him. But he has that plus 50% uh, support of Canadians. And I got to thinking about if we have no core values or no core identity and no common denominator, and if core values are shouted down, as they were when Kelly Leach, the MP, conservative MP, and leadership candidate for the conservative party, said that if she's elected the leader and becomes the prime minister, she's going to require newcomers to Canada, immigrants, to agree that they support Canadian values. And she was shouted down, and she continues to be shouted down by the left and by the right, by the new Conservative Party of Canada. It's not going to be the CPC anymore. It'll be the NP- NCPC. Well, there's nothing wrong with Canadian values. As we heard from many people on this program just two weeks ago. But it's Thanksgiving weekend, and I, and I just I, I wanted to ask this question. I, and, and I want to see what you say and what, what your thinking is. It's not in the news. It's just floating around in my head. And I talked to a number of people about it, and they, they kind of like the idea that I should talk about it. So given the fact that we have no core identity, given the fact that there's no common denominator, given the fact that we're a post-nation state, I mean, those must be facts. They're spoken by our leader. Here it is Thanksgiving Day. And it's not the first time this has been talked about. In this country, with its increasingly diverse population, and I'm an immigrant, should Thanksgiving Day, hold on to your seat now, should Thanksgiving Day, Remembrance Day, and Christmas Day be removed from the official calendar? This is not just a throwaway question. I'm serious about this. I want to ask you this question. Should Thanksgiving Day and Remembrance Day and Christmas Day be removed from the official calendar of Canada, of official celebrations, official holidays, official days off, official days of of remembrance? And we know that on November the 11th, there are always people who will say, well, look, all this does is, is glorify war. I'm not one of them. And I did sign on to the RCNR as a young man, Royal Canadian Naval Reserve. But there are those who say Remembrance Day just promotes war. And you know, there were professors at the University of, was it Regina, University of, of, of Saskatchewan? You of Saskatchewan, I think, right? Who wrote a letter 
to whoever they wrote it to, the prime minister or the defense minister or I don't know. But they wrote a letter and they objected to the fact that it was, I think it was this, the, the children of, of individuals who'd served for, men and women who'd served for Canada and had died while in uniform, that their kids should have a paid-for education, post-secondary education. I think that's what it was. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. You see, there'll be people who will tell you, oh, you know, Green brings these things up and he just does it to stir the pot. Believe what you want. And sometimes the pot needs stirring. Abra is calling from Hamilton. Hi, Abra. Hi, how are you? Good, sir. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, I just wanted to make a quick comment here that uh, I, um, as the person who immigrated to this country over 15, 20 years ago, I'm a citizen now, um, I do not believe at all that we should get rid of Christmas and Easter and all that because, uh, I mean, like I've grown up with it and uh, I'm a Muslim myself and I, and I don't really, uh, I don't celebrate those because it's not my, part of my culture. But, one, one, but I still think it's a very important part of Canadian culture to have uh, to have those holidays. People are super happy, family-oriented. What's wrong with that? Um, and quick point number two, from back from where I'm from, you, um, we're a predominantly Muslim country. We're beside India, and we have about a 10% population of Christians. Now, we're having almost 250 million people. 10% is, is almost higher than uh, the population of Canada, of Christians, right? So we actually have Christmas off. We have Muslim holidays off. We have Hindu holidays off. So all year long, you have all every holiday off pretty much. So why can't we all, why can't we do that here? I guess we probably can't because, you know, you can't get as much work done. But, you know, there are countries out there that can do it all. You know, your, your, your suggestion, first of all, is eminently uh, sensible. And it brings people together as opposed to separating people. It will take a lot of the mystery out of who is who. And it takes a lot. It would remove a lot of resentment that uh, the people have toward the most fundamental aspects of life in a country. You know, I, I, I lived in Switzerland as a kid for four years, and four four languages, four official languages in a little country of about eight million people. Right. I mean, you can drive across Switzerland in about four hours, but they right. managed to get along for eight hundred years, approximately, with four official languages. And the people tell the government what to do. Um, yeah, look, your position is eminently sensible. And I and I've I went to an Eid celebration. You're calling from Hamilton. I went to an Eid celebration at a Hamilton mosque a number of years ago. I was invited, and it was a terrific evening. It was. I mean, I learned I learned something, and we had a we had a great time. And if people right. will just understand that there are celebratory times that matter, and there are days that matter, days of, of specific uh, thanks, like Thanksgiving and Remembrance Day, then we'd all be better off. But but now, I don't think it's an irrelevant argument or, or an irrelevant question to ask. Is it time to do away with Thanksgiving, Remembrance Day, and Christmas Day on the official celebratory calendar? I think it's a relevant question. Yeah, you're right. And I don't think it is time to get rid of those uh, at all, honestly speaking. Abra, thanks a lot for your call. You have a great day, sir. You too. Thank you. By Roy Green Show Chorus Radio Network. We're going to go to Edmonton, where Kathy's calling, no doubt listening to 
630 Chad. Yes, I am. See, I know all about you, Kathy. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> oh, dear. Thanks for your call. Go ahead, please. Well, I'd just like to start by saying that um, I hope that you continue to stir the pot. And I think that people in Canada who I believe are the majority need to stir the pot. I think that uh, Justin and his uh, cronies um, in the Liberal Party and in other parties... Like Mr. Um, Butts? Are really, are really, yes. The $125,000 move from Toronto to Ottawa? Yes. Yeah, that one. They bank on the fact that we won't stir the pot. They will, the academics will, the people with special interests will stir the pot. And when you've got somebody like Justin coming out and saying that we don't have a national identity... No core you know, maybe identity. He thinks, maybe he thinks he doesn't have one. Well, here's a, guy, look, here's a guy who grew up in a very privileged environment... And he acknowledges that. He's a rookie prime minister. He was an immigration minister who had issues with, uh, with honor killings being described as barbaric in 2011. He, he went off the deep end on that and eventually had to apologize or chose to apologize. Uh, so he's the, he's the guy who says we have no core identity, that uh, Canada is a post-nation state. And uh, what was the other thing that he said uh, about, uh, about the country? No core identity, uh, post-nation state, no common denominator. I'd like for the prime minister to come into this studio and sit down and speak to Eastern Canada and Western Canada and make, those case, make that case for himself, then listen to the calls and put on his seatbelt and, and tighten the shoulder straps because it would get pretty heated pretty quick. But don't you think that that maybe? Um, raises the question again of his priorities. And I don't believe... Oh, I don't doubt that at all. I don't believe that Canada is a priority for this Prime Minister. I think this Prime Minister... Yeah, his his priority is global. His priority is the United Nations. Exactly. And so who's he catering to? He's catering to the United Nations. Yes, ma'am. I thank you for the call. It was like, you know, he went... Right away he went to the United Nations. And what did he say? Boys and girls, it's test time. What did he say? Oh, yeah. Canada is back. Hi, Sarah in Toronto. I appreciate your call. Hi, Sarah. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I think we should have the holidays that this country values. I am new to this country. I am a Muslim who came to this country 20 years ago. Um, I appreciate that holidays that you guys have. My children go to school and every day they ask me, you know, I explain to them what Thanksgiving is, what Remembrance Day is, what Christmas is, and those are the values that we came to this country and you guys value. Nothing is wrong with it. If you're somebody who came from a different country who has a different value, nobody's stopping you to celebrate your cultural religion or values. So why should we demolish this country's uh, values or their holidays? Well, you know, the country provides you and provides me and provides everybody in our audience tremendous liberties that other people are dying for. Just a fraction of of those liberties, they're dying right now. Exactly, exactly. Right now they're dying. There's other countries that you're not allowed to, you know, celebrate who you are or where you came from. And this country gives you that freedom and that, you know, liberty to do that. And I don't think we should, you know, not recognize their holidays and the values that 
you know, it was built. And when Mr. Trudeau says we have no core identity, to me anyway, that points to the specifics of what the, how this country was built and what it was built on and what was made available for you as an immigrant and for me as an immigrant. Exactly, exactly. That's my point. That's, I don't think we should get rid of that. I mean, this should be a discussion that should be, you continue to have until something is said or something is done. Like, you cannot, you know, diminish that. I don't think that should be done. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate your call. Have a great day. You too. Thank Bye-bye. you. And you want to see the phone lines? You want to see what's been happening? Where are we going now? Let me see where we should go now. Uh, we're going to talk to Linda, who is driving on the notorious Don Valley Parkway in Toronto. Hey, good day. How are you doing? I- I'm doing fine, Linda. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm on the 401 East now. Oh, so we're, we have to track you a little better. Yeah, <laughs> hard to keep a track phone on me, but anyway, how are you doing, Roy? I'm doing just fine, and I appreciate you calling in and, and, and taking on this issue. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not one to generally uh, respond to these things, but I was, you know, listening to the lady at first from Pickering, and, uh, you know, you're talking about the Judeo-Christian uh, links and things like that, and you were saying, you know, what is Judeo-Christianity, and... Um, and I got thinking, you know, well, Jesus was a Jew, uh, and the and the, the values that we have in this country, I believe, are based on the Bible, and that's the Old Testament with the with Moses and the Ten Commandments. I think we've based um, our laws and uh, core beliefs on on that. Uh, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. That kind of thing. And um, I just think that um, that we I, I I hate I I don't think Justin is right if he intended you know if he was saying that uh, we have no core identity no common we denominator have no core identity because I really believe that that is the beginning of our core identity that's the foundation. Well, if you look at look at what he said, and I have sixty seconds here. When he says no common denominator, right? And then he yeah. said, we have no, uh, no, no core identity. And then the third part of the triumvirate is post-nation state. So we have no identity, no common denominator. So now he's taken away our, what, what, what binds us as Canadians. And then he declares that Canada is no longer a country. And what he's done is dragged 36 million of us into the embrace of the corrupt United Nations, which is where he loves to be. And there are going to be people who will who will argue that point with me, and I'll be glad to do that another day. And you know, it's it's strange to me that you know he would say that because oh, that's um, strange. It, it, it it's so strange because I mean he's to me like I wrote a letter to him just a couple of weeks ago. The gentleman came into my office and he said, "I'm having trouble getting my family over here from Kuwait. He's got three kids and his wife." He was a translator uh, for the Americans uh, during the war and stuff. Somebody, the police got a hold of him there, and they beat him and broke his neck. And what? so now, he, yeah, they broke his neck. He survived. They flew him. The Americans flew him to Germany, where he survived. Now, his one hand, of course, is uh, not. He's not able to really move his one hand and use it. Oh. He. he not really able and to where walk. did this where did this happen where did this happen Kuwait in Kuwait I have to yeah. run uh, but I'll tell you what yeah. the translators 
who worked in those who, who, the translators who worked for worked with Canada soldiers in yeah. Afghanistan, we should make it every one of them, every one of them welcome in this country immediately, do everything we can to get them and their families into this country because they exactly. risked everything and they're being right. hunted down by the Taliban and they That's will right. be severely uh, punished and eventually killed uh, more and than Trudeau likely by the back. Taliban if they're found. Trudeau wrote back. He sent a letter to this fellow only a few days ago. He brought yeah. it in, but, and it's all the information on how to get his family over here quicker. All right, Linda, thank you for the call. Hey, you're welcome. Go safely. It's uh, the Roy Green Show on the Cordless Radio Network. We should be bringing all of the translators. And Joe Warmington did just tremendous work to bring uh, James uh, from, from Afghanistan, we've talked to him on this program, uh, to Canada. And he's here in Calgary with his family now. We should bring all those translators who worked with Canada's soldiers, Canada's military in Afghanistan, bring them all here because they risked their lives to work with our soldiers. And now the, the Taliban and al-Qaeda are hunting for them. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. Green Show Chorus Radio Network. Alison Azar was in Parliament this week. Her children are still in Iran kidnapped by their father, who is an internationally wanted fugitive, and our foreign or global affairs minister, or whatever he is, Stefan Dion, uh, immensely insulted Alison Azar, and then he said he didn't. Alison is back with us on the Roy Green Show. Hi, Alison. Uh, what, what exactly happened? Well, I was in the gallery on Thursday, um, which I've been about five times in the House of Commons, and a member of Parliament from St. Albert, where I grew up, um, stood to make a statement in the House urging the government to do more to help bring back my four abducted children who've been taken from Canada for 14 months. And I was facing that side of the house, so I couldn't see the Liberal government side. But I heard this eruption of jeers and heckles, and I was shocked. I didn't know what was going on. I, I felt so disrespected. I left the gallery, and only then did I learn um, what had happened with the gesture that um, the Ford minister had made. And and Dion said that his gesture was directed at the Conservative Member of Parliament, had had nothing to do with you, and that the Conservatives are trying to make score political points by insisting that Mr. Trudeau is not doing all he can to get your children home. That's that's what unfolded. I think nonetheless Mr. Dion's gesture was most unbecoming um of a minister of the crown and he knew that I was in town. I had stopped by his office um, uh, two days earlier requesting a meeting with him. There was a very good chance that I was in the gallery, and I think that he could have exercised the kind of compassion and discipline um, just to, to, to show more respect for me personally and, by extension, my children. He's feeling the pressure. He's feeling the pressure. <laughs> I believe he is feeling the pressure and that his uh, press secretary um, gave an interview, I think, to the Globe and Mail in which she started disparaging me, saying that um, by critiquing the government, I wasn't being helpful. And I'm just worried that that's a bit of a veiled threat that um, 
they want to see um, less out of me, um, or they may not continue to work on the file. It's you know, it's it just felt like a double blow. Well, let's put it this way: they may want less of you, but we'll just keep bringing you to Canadians <laughs> and Canadians to you. So you. that's how that's the reality they're going to have to live with until they do what Trudeau promised you personally that he would do, and that is bring your children home. So we want everybody to go to findazerkidsnow.com. Correct? That's what it is, right? Yes, please. Findazerkids.com. That's A-Z-E-R, azerkidsnow.com, and follow Allison on Twitter and support her nationally and put the pressure on the Trudeau government and on Dion, who still deserves two thumbs down for his for his um, arrangement with the Bloc Québécois a few years ago to steal the government away from how Canadians voted. FindAzardKidsNow.com. Allison, we will stay in touch and we'll stay with you and you're always, you're always, you're always our choice. Thank you so much, Roy. It, just, it, makes, it always makes me feel better after I speak with you and have a chance to reach out to your listeners. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon, Allison. Hopefully, well, never mind. Hopefully, we'll push them into doing what they have to do, and let's get your kids home. Thank you. You too. Happy Take care. Thanksgiving. And happy Bye. Thanksgiving, Allison. Thank you. Allison Azer. Find AzerKidsNow.com is the website. Help. You can help. Push them. Imagine the Dion having the temerity with two thumbs down to the conservative MP. Sure. Absolutely. And we believe that, Mr. Dion. Yes, we do. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. Marilyn is an American who lives in Canada. She's voting on November the 8th, and uh, we've been emailing back and forth. And the last email that I received from Marilyn was that she intends to vote for Donald Trump. Hi, Marilyn. Oh, hi, Roy. It's good to talk to you. Thank you. It's lovely to talk to you, and it, and, and, and everything just gets... Hotter and hotter. Well, doesn't it? And how? before I ask you how you will eventually vote, because in your initial email to me, you wrote that it was your choice was between the bully and evil, mm-hmm. which I found an interesting description. I've run it by a number of people, and they've raised some eyebrows and said, yeah, I can see why she'd feel that way. Um, how do you feel about this dump of accusations of sexual impropriety, of um, you know videos here and videos there, the video from Trump yesterday, the video on uh, on Breitbart today. How does that make you feel as a voter? Well, um, I, I still feel it. It is a choice between uh, the the bully and evil, and uh, this it, it's interesting the timing that the Washington Post uh, let loose of the video right before the debate. Yes, and they were apparently not willing to wait. NBC, I read. NBC was holding on or holding off releasing the video because they were checking with their lawyers to see if they were had any legal issues. Mm-hmm. And the Washington Post finally said, we're not waiting any longer. We're going to release it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would imagine it was to be released specifically before the debate so uh, Hillary's side could get their licks in. So how does it make you feel as a woman when you hear the comments well, it's, that Donald Trump made? It's, it, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's not surprising. And it also seems that uh, Trump and Bill Clinton have more in common than before, and I'm sure it's not surprising to either one of them. So it's this, this is this is the way I've I've heard that men talk. 
among themselves when they know that women aren't around. Uh, we don't like it, and especially men who are over, you know, 60 or, or so. But um, younger men are, are learning that it's not the way to be. It's a very unfortunate system. It traps everybody. It traps men. It traps women. I think it's the same kind of mentality that trapped Gian Gomeshi and, and the women who accused him because people really don't have a choice. And in that video, you have uh, Trump and the fellow who was with him and the woman who was there, in a way, she was an enabler going along with it. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, you've said a lot of things here, and it brings me back to a headline that I read earlier today, that only men are going to be able to stop other men from speaking this way. So, mm-hmm. so, yep. so, so what I was going to say today, and I'll say it now with you on the air, mm-hmm. what I was going to say a little later in the hour was, any man who agrees that with, with, with the, the Donald Trump's statements on that video mm-hmm. are just locker room talk. That's no big deal. Right. What he what he said. Then there's been guys who sent me emails saying, "Get off your high horse, Green. You've been in locker rooms. You know these things are said all the time. Not with me, and not with my friends." So what I was going to say to these people are is, guys who feel there's nothing really, um, you know, to to be objected to other than it's locker room talk. I was going to say, I want you to make a fist, and then I want you to extend your index finger. And then I want you to place your index finger on the scan button on your radio. And then I want you to press the scan button. And then I don't want you to come back anymore. Mm-hmm. Marilyn in Toronto, Canadian, or at least American citizen, voting in Canada for whom? Marilyn, who gets your vote? Well, it's n- not so much a vote for, but a vote against. Um, between Hillary and Donald, it would go go to Donald just because basically I don't want Hillary to get in. There it is again, a vote against instead of a vote for. Mm-hmm. So you choose the lesser of two evils yep. as as you as you define it. How difficult was it for you to make the decision, and how long period of time over how long a period of time did you make it? Um, it was very easy. Um, back in uh, after the last election, I knew at that point it was going to be a choice between Hillary and Jeb Bush. And that was in 2012. And that was pretty clear to me. And I said, I absolutely do. I don't want either of them, but I thought that Hillary would be worse. And it just continued. What would frighten you most about Hillary Clinton as president of the United States? Uh, World War III. Really? Mm-hmm. And what about Donald Trump? What does he bring to the White House? What will his positives be? Well, I hope he has the business experience that he appears to have. I mean, he has buildings all over the place with Trump on it, which means that the man has some decent business experience, even in spite of the people who he who say that uh, he hasn't paid them. But uh, I think he his focus is on jobs, money, the economy, which is all the same thing, yeah. and that's and that's what the U.S. needs. Well, he uh, he leases out his name. He, as most people here know, and you know for sure, mm-hmm. he doesn't own all those buildings. He just leases out his name, uh, and he makes good money on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you said World War III for Hillary, she's the one who's saying you should be terrified of making Donald Trump, uh, giving him access to, to the proverbial button. What makes you think that Hillary would uh, generate World War III? I think that she has the, um, the the desire 
for conquer and for war because whenever you have war, you, there's a lot of money to be made, a lot more. And with the Clintons, it's always follow the money? Yep, it's uh, the Clinton Foundation. When you talk to your fellow Americans in, in Canada, if you do, how are they prepared to vote, and what do, what do you talk about as, as, as American citizens? Well, uh, we're, kind, we're rather concerned about Hillary and all the lies. Um, she's, just, she's constantly lying time after time. She lies to Congress. Um, she's the biggest advocate for arming the, the Muslim rebels in Syria. Um, and the Clinton Foundation, 10% of it goes to charity, 90% goes to the Clintons. I've heard higher numbers, but <laughs> they've <laughs> been from Rudy Giuliani. But uh, Yep, and, and if um, I think if Giuliani were a federal prosecutor, he'd do his best to, uh, to indict her. You know, I have a feeling, and I said uh, about two months ago, and I actually said it months before that, but I said two months ago, that there's no way that Donald Trump can lose this election. So now, yesterday, when that video came out, once again, the red flag went up for me, and I thought, well, this will do it. It's, it's over for him now for sure, and this has happened a few times. And immediately, while there was condemnation for what he said, there was still a significant amount of support for Trump as president. How significant do you think the debate is going to be tonight? And how significant will it be to you? Well, I, I don't know how significant it will be until it's over. <laughs> um, but... I think that the um, Democrats will try to focus as much as possible on that video, and they feel that it makes a big difference. But when you have a specter like Bill Clinton <laughs> and his sexual past, it's it's almost laughable that they try to bring this up. And there's, you know, this is what Trump said uh, 11 years ago, not what he did. Is it fair game for the Republicans? Is it fair game for the Trump campaign to now say, okay? You did this. You chose to release this video. Now we have you on this and this and this and this, and we know that you were the impeached president. We know about, <clears throat> excuse me, Monica Lewinsky. We have other material. We're going to release it all. But it'd be fair for them to do that now. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure there's a lot more more material. You know, there's probably tons of similar material for LBJ and JFK, and you know, it's just this is. It's unfortunate, but this is what happens. The triple X rated election. Mm-hmm. Another one. Yep. Marilyn, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Can we talk to you again before November the eighth? I'm sure other things are going to happen. Oh, ab- absolutely. It's kind of like the uh, an ongoing soap opera. Well, it is, and I'd like to, like I said, I'd like to speak to you again, and uh, and have you share with us your thoughts on whatever we haven't experienced yet. Okay, very well. We'll stay tuned to the next chapter. Absolutely. Thanks Thank for the you. time today. Bye-bye. Here's Marilyn, Toronto, American citizen, going to vote Trump. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. John Zogby is with us, international pollster and uh, author. And John, remind us, please, because my uh, computer just decided to freeze, the name of your book is... We are many, we are one. It's about American tribes in the 21st century. Don't you love that when the thing just freezes right when you get to the point that you want to ask the question? Usually it's my brain, Roy. It's just... (laughs) (laughs) It just sat there and looked at me and said, nope, not going there. John, uh, what would polling, after everything that's happened in the past week, and particularly the last 48 hours, 
What do you think that polling would reveal about the American attitude toward either Trump or Clinton, and particularly Trump right now? Well, I think what you'd see is a decline in the level of support, not by a lot. I think he's got a hard core. You know, so he's polling 40 to 42 percent. I think you probably see him go down 37, 38 percent and not much of an increase for Hillary Clinton. Remember, I mean, the polls that are out just today uh, show Hillary Clinton uh, intensely disliked uh, by a majority as well. But she'd be leading. Uh, And then uh, if we were to ask the question about approval or disapproval of, of Donald Trump and what he said, it'd be overwhelming disapproval, male and female. Does he still have, the last time we talked, you said that he still has a chance to win the presidency. Is that opportunity still there for him between now and November the 8th? Oh, I think it's severely diminished. Uh, But there's still a chance because because, uh, Hillary Clinton is still disliked. Uh, I mean, so uh, the scenario then is that... um, uh, is that undecideds, particularly millennials who really don't care for her all that much, decide just not to come out to vote um, or decide to vote for, you know, the libertarian or the green candidate instead. And so what you have then is a, a solid uh, old white male conservative vote that comes out for Donald Trump. It's, you know, I'm not I'm not ready to bet the farm on that scenario, but uh, I'd be deluding myself you and your listeners if I suggested that it's all over now. When you have uh, another video coming out, as has happened today with Breitbart, releasing the video uh, by three women, Paula Jones, Juanita Broderick, and Kathleen Willey, all of them saying Bill Clinton raped them, uh, how impactful is that at this time, particularly the day after the Trump video, or, or is it not? Well, you know, that doesn't make anybody a better person or a a better nominee. Uh, I mean, really, the, both of these candidates are, are, are disliked. And what you're hearing from undecideds right. is, hey, I'll vote, you know, for the lesser of two evils. I just don't know which one that is. <laughs> and so maybe it levels the playing field. But all of this, you know, the I'm not going to say all this stuff because Juanita Braddock and, and, and uh, uh, Paula Jones, that, that is significant stuff. But I think folks have pretty much made up their minds uh, about that and about Hillary already. That's why she's not running away with this election yet. Well, we shall see more tonight, hear more tonight uh, during the debate. We'll see where that may go. God only knows. JohnZogbyStrategies.com is the website. John's book is We Are Many, We Are One. John, thank you for the time, and uh, we'll call on Good you again you. before November the 8th. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. I received an email from uh, Stacy and Kevin a few days ago from Fort McMurray, and they've been on the air with us since the wildfire and uh, the evacuation. They joined us from Edmonton and uh, talked about how they'd bought a 23-foot trailer, and that's where they were going to be living for a while, and and we just stayed in touch, and they were always upbeat and always positive about how things were turning out. And then, I think it was last weekend we spoke, and uh, we were laughing because Kevin was talking about putting a, a heater of some kind under the potty so that it doesn't freeze in the wintertime. And, you know, while we were laughing, I thought, it's not really funny. 
And uh, then I shared some emails with Stacy and Kevin about how they're winterizing their trailer. And I thought, in northern Alberta, the winters are going to be really, really cold. And winterizing a trailer, a 23-foot trailer, and that's your home, that's, that's going to be tough to be able to get it to the point where you can be comfortable. And I thought, why is this going on? Why is this happening? Because Canadians gave a tremendous amount of money to help the people at Fort McMurray after that wildfire, $165 million from Canadian people and businesses. Government of Canada, $104 million, and the government of Alberta, $30 million. So that's also the money of the Canadian people because governments don't have any money. They just misspend ours. So $165 million from, from Canadians and then another $134 million from Canadians via the people who will tell us how terribly generous they are spending our money. Well, so then I got an email from Kevin and Stacy on the 6th of October. They're with me now. Do you mind if I read a little bit from your email? I guess so. <laughs> Go ahead, Ray. Yeah. Is that, I mean, is it okay? Just, just, yeah, yeah, just, there's nothing in there. That's no, no, there isn't. There really isn't. I just want <laughs> to read a couple of lines. No, there's nothing in there. No, no, no. I know. I just want to read a couple. I always ask people, and I should have asked you before. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I did. Uh, I've just been very concerned about you guys, and, 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 and you wrote, you begin, it's very upsetting for us all to know people gave so much to help, but the people needing it are not getting it. We've yeah. been positive for a long time, and honestly, it's running out. We are tired. I would love to know what the people of Canada are thinking. Our government is helping non-Canadians come here and pay for them to be here. As you were saying last week's show, women coming to have a baby so it can be Canadian. Yeah. So... And then you explained uh, what's going on, and I know that you're not anti-immigrant because you've talked to me off the air about the diversity at Fort Mac and how it's oh, yeah. always been a diverse community and how yeah, you guys absolutely. appreciate that. So I want people yeah. to know that. It sets yeah. us apart. It sets everybody apart, and, yeah, we have no problem. You know, I just, as long as I can understand, I'm good. <laughs> but here we are. I mean, here I'm getting this email from, from, from the both of you. And I know things are, are, are difficult, and we never got that sense when we talked to you because you're so upbeat, you're so positive, you're funny, you're entertaining. At the most difficult times, <laughs> you found something to laugh about. And you know what I kept... Entertaining. <laughs> well, well, you know what I thought? I, I, I thought you were helping other people who are going yeah, through yeah. difficult moments, whether they're no. fellow evacuees from Fort McMurray or just somebody somewhere in Canada who's having a rough time. Hearing you after the evacuation, dealing with what you're dealing with, being positive and laughing, I always thought you were helping other people, and I, and, and I admired yeah, that. We had a lot of positive feedback that actually helped us stay that way. You know? It did. And, you know? I mean, traveling, we, we did a bit of traveling in, in the Edmonton area and visited the free spots we could, so we could kind of keep our mind from, you know, going absolutely insane. And, yeah, now it's just getting a little exhausting. So... I'm going to ask you, in your words, to share with us what what's going on. What's what's happening to what's happening to you two? What what's going on? Well, we got back to Fort McMurray and we began the process of trying to rebuild our lives here. And um, nothing is cheap in Fort McMurray. And you know, trying to winterize our trailer because it's all we have right now. And um, 
doing everything we can is begun to eat up the last little bit of savings and resources we had in case of an emergency. Um, and it's, it's beginning to worry us because it's, it's snowing. <laughs> it's snowing, and there's just been the no feeling in Fort McMurray is that we hear all the time about all the help that's available and everything, yet every time we go into one of these places or ask to, for help with these resources, it seems like it's not available, or it's not available to us. <laughs> yeah. And it's become very stressful now because the pressure's on us. Now, you know that I spoke earlier today with the vice president of the Canadian Red Cross, who is uh, in charge of Alberta for the Red Cross. She wasn't able to join us on air, so I had a conversation with her off air. So I'm just going to go through some of the fundamental points that, that, that she explained to me, and then if you would share with us your story about what's happened to you uh, after I after I tell tell you what what she what she told me all right and then there's another there's another sidebar here and significant to you and that is you went to an Alberta Works office in Fort McMurray and you asked for what we all were told was there for you, and that's resources for people who return to Fort McMurray, evacuees who return to Fort McMurray by by October. And mm-hmm. when you went there, well, well, we'll fill that in for our listeners in a minute. So, so I spoke with uh, with um, Jennifer McManus from uh, the Red Cross, Vice President, um, delightful lady to talk to, and and she uh, <laughs> she said to me that you know we talked about the amount two hundred ninety nine million dollars. Hundred and sixty-five million came from individual Canadians and businesses. The balance from the government. Um, yeah, it's big money, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It, it, just the generosity is overwhelming. That, and and I think these people have a right to know where this money went. Yeah. Well, let's just uh, let me go through what what she said uh, to me. So, one hundred sixty-five million, then one hundred and four from uh, Canada, and ninety and eight and thirty from Al- government Alberta. So two hundred ninety-nine. And I asked what the money was. F- Spent. What was it for? Was it for residents, the community, or both? And uh, what what they do with it? So she said the money is held in trust for that event. In other words, for the evacuation and for the resettlement and just for the the uh, the the effects of the of the wildfire. So it's held in trust. And uh, then she pointed out it wasn't just people of Fort McMurray specifically who were impacted, also people of the greater municipality. Um, and uh, so the regional government of Wood Buffalo would be involved as yeah. well. We'll so, so then I asked, who decides at the Red Cross where the money is allocated generally? And she said it's governed by their national board, and the funds are reported to the national board by the national leadership team. So I guess the executive division of the Red Cross uh, explained to their national board how much money they have uh, to work with. And then the National Disaster Management Team decide, decides how the money is spent with approval from the governance arm of the Red Cross. And then experts map out how to spend the money based on their experience. And they have a structure in place they work from, and they work with the province, with the regional government of Wood Buffalo, and with nonprofits like the United Way and the food banks. So, so then I, I asked her about the fact that the CEO of the Red Cross in August 
Conrad Sove told news organizations the Red Cross had already spent $146 million. And I said, on what? And she said, on evacuation financial assistance for families who were registered with the Red Cross. There were some other things that they spent money on, but this is the one I, because, I, you know, I'm typing while she's talking. And uh, yeah. this is why this is why I don't like doing this. I like to have live interviews, not kind of report back. I hate doing that. I hear you. <laughs> but it was but it was $600 per adult individual and then children would receive additional funding. Now to receive the money, uh, there was also money for reentry, financial assistance for reentry into um, Fort McMurray and should have received money for uh, food, for gas, for transportation. And then there's money for supplies for children and and uh, money for supports for vulnerable families. Um, and and uh, then I asked, and I'm going to go through this as quickly as I can, but I want people to hear it. I asked if all the money dedicated to the Fort McMurray residents, it was all the money uh, dedicated to Fort McMurray residents, or is the percentage spent on Red Cross administration costs? And she said maximum is 5%, and that's for fundraising, and it's tax receipts and, and so on, and they fulfill the Canada Revenue Agency requirements. Um, what else did I ask here? Then I said that um, I said that my guests, Kevin and Stacy, are facing difficulty living in a 23-foot trailer at a campground in Fort Mac. That's their home for the winter. They have shortage of employment issues, which they didn't have before the fire. And Stacy's part-time job doesn't bring in enough money to pay for the bills. So do yeah. you and other, like you two, and other Fort Mac residents with similar stories qualify for financial support from the funds Canadian delivers to the Red Cross for Fort McMurray residents? And you do. And she said, she told me that, uh, I, I told them that you're going to have to wait until October the 14th until you hear from the Red Cross, yeah. right, uh, yeah. to yeah. establish what your situation is. And she told me there are two now two locations in Fort McMurray. I asked, why aren't there people on the ground? She said, there are. There are two locations in Fort McMurray where you can go and they'll triage your your reality, your situation. So that's what I heard. In That's most of what I heard. So we'll take a break and we'll come back. And then you'll share with us, please, what your reality is and what you can tell us and want to tell us about how life is going for you guys. All right? Thank you, Roy. All right. Thank we'll you. come back with Stacy and Kevin after this. You're listening to The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML. Stacey and Kevin are with me from Fort McMurray. If you listen to this program regularly, then you've heard them before as they've talked about their experience following the wildfire when they were evacuated, their life in Edmonton, where they bought a 23-foot trailer and their intent to return home, which they've done. And along the way, no one has provided them with assistance up and beyond the $600 each they received from the Red Cross. Now, I spoke, as you know, earlier with the vice president of the Red Cross for Alberta, and she explained what I explained earlier about how the money uh, has been, uh, where it's been put and how it's allocated and, and, and how funding is, is being delivered to people who need it. Stacy and Kevin have to wait until the 14th of October. For a call from the Red Cross, the Red Cross says there is a triage office, now two of them, in Fort McMurray, where Stacy and Kevin could go for assistance. But you were told um, that they're not going to, that office doesn't give money. That's what you were told, right? Yeah. Because you guys have, you, you've, you've investigated from what you've, you know, conversations we've had, emails we've exchanged. You've investigated every option that you knew of to find some level of assistance that you believed was there for you. 
Yeah, we we dug and we made lots of phone calls and we went to several of the Red Cross offices and at every turn it was seemed like a closed door. So Just, no, we don't do that. No, we're not providing that. No. So nobody's coming up with any cash and you're running out of your resources there dwindling. Uh, yeah. It's it's humbling and I'm feeling very ashamed but that is the truth, Roy. No. You don't need to be ashamed. Not working time. You don't need to be ashamed, Kevin. You didn't. No. You know the fire affected you. The fire drove you from your home. The fire is what changed no. your life. Um, I know you. You had employment before the fire, and that employment is now no longer there for yep. extracurricular reasons that we spoke about that have nothing to do with with either of you. Um, no. Yep. Following instructions and. And that was apparently a problem for your employer. But so you went to the Alberta Works office, Stacy, and the understanding yeah. was, and the statements were from 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 what you tell me and from what I understand from the mayor's assistant in Fort McMurray, is that funds were supposed to be there for residents of Fort McMurray who returned before the end of October. So you go there, and you're asked, what kinds of questions were you asked? Are you a Canadian he asked, citizen? He asked if I'm a Canadian citizen, and if not, when did I move here? I, I, I laughed at him, I'm sorry, and I said, yeah, I'm Canadian. And he asked me if I was Albertan, and I said, well, no, not technically. Well, you got to put in when you arrived in Alberta. I'm like, okay, no problem. I've been here 20 years. But it was a little shocking. So, <laughs> so, so, so no money coming, and he told you that the program had ended in August? Yeah, he said it ended August, and I mean online, and as you know, uh, government officials also say it's at the end of October. So I don't know where the information is getting crossed, or if they just don't know what's going on. I'm not sure, but it's definitely misinformation somewhere. And you also had difficulty speaking to this gentleman. Yeah, I had a little difficulty. I'm, I'm East Coast. If you can't tell, and basically I strained to understand this gentleman, so I, I wasn't very happy, obviously, with the information I could get out of him. So she left in tears, right? Yeah, I did. She yeah. left in tears. Yeah. So he told you the program was over, and asked you questions about whether you're a Canadian citizen, and yeah, I mean you're he returning gave me home. Paperwork as well. Yeah, yeah, I got paperwork as well. I guess paperwork to fill out. It, to prove she was a Canadian was citizen and citizen to prove and she was from Alberta. They wanted banking information and everything. Like, they wanted everything. Like, I was filling out a form for a loan. So I was a little shocked. Yeah. So so how, I mean, what, what I don't want to drag things out of you, but no. what's your situation now? Well, at this very moment, um, like, you know, I'm working part-time and... We're both looking for full-time work, and we put out, I don't know how many resumes and haven't even gotten one single call because I believe there are thousands of resumes out there right now. A lot of people are in the same situation. Everybody's trying to go after that, you know, that one job, and one guy out of a thousand gets it. So that's, that's one aspect we're looking at. And other than that, we're just <laughs> waiting and hoping we're going to get some help out I'm, of the Red Cross. I'm, I'm, I'm testing my carpentry skills. Yeah, and Kevin's <laughs> testing his carpentry skills. He's, he's leaving the mechanics, <laughs> leaving the mechanics behind, and he's trying to build us a porch. Yeah. yeah. So just, well, you know what? I, what is really troubling is the fact that um, that your experiences, and maybe this is clearly not the way things are supposed to work, 
but your experience has been that you've been turned down and turned away. Yep. When you've gone yep. where you were told to go. Yep, um, multiple occasions. The instructions that you heard on, on, on radio and heard and read in media. And, mm -hmm. and so you yep. went where you were instructed to go and you yep. received no funding. Yeah, yep. except from the for the two six hundred dollar um, amounts. Yeah, from Red. Yeah, we got that from Red Cross. Like like Kev said, about two months after I think it was after the fire, we got yeah. that. Did yeah. you get? And you also got? Yeah. Did you get some minimal funding from from federal or provincial government? Yeah, it was we got. I believe it was the provincial government that provided us with uh, some money on a cash card. Yeah, it was a cash card for twelve each in the first. We got that right away. That's what saved our bucks. That's the beginning. What, yeah. Yeah. So are are there other people who you know in Fort McMurray who are going through the same situation? There are many people in Fort McMurray going through the same situation. But the scariest part, Roy, is is that many people can't get back here to no. even try to rebuild their lives in town. Exactly. Uh, that's worrisome. And, and me and Stacy have always been to the extent of, we believe there are people more worse off than us. We always wanted the other person to get the help that they really needed because me and Stace always felt we could take care of ourselves. We we've, always managed. We've always managed. We've always looked at the brighter side of things, and we've always thought of others. It, it, it breaks both our hearts to be in this position right now. It's, literally struggling and worrying if we made the right decision to come home or not. What if and shoulda, coulda, you know. <laughs> All those stupid thoughts you have in your head after something. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is so disturbing to hear because people did step up and I understand yep. that, you know, I get it that there have to be procedures for distribution mm -hmm. of large amounts of money, but I'm also yep. going to say this, and I wish the Miss McManus were with us or somebody from the Red Cross, because ultimately they're administering the money. The fact yep. is, here's what I'd do. I'd go and knock on doors. I'd First of all, exactly. I'd, I'd, if I'd see a trailer being winterized, and I'd send yeah. people out, you know, go and find yeah. the go and find the people who need help, who are yeah. here, That's who you would think, just go and knock on doors yeah. and exactly. say, what's your situation? Yep. We're, we're easy to find. You, yeah, are easy you, to find. you can see the people that are that are struggling yeah. to make it through it. There's no question about that. You can see them everywhere, yeah. and most of them, you can see the look on their face. Right, their face, yeah. everybody is worried, yeah. sick about how they're going to pay the next bill. Or how so have do you? This. But uh, do you know of anybody? Do you know? And I don't want to ask you questions about other people because it's your story that we're that we're we're hearing. But are there people whose situations have been resolved, where they've had the phone call or they've had the meeting with the Red Cross or with Alberta Works, and their situation has been resolved? We've heard these stories on the radio, but I've have have yet to meet anybody. someone who has said that. They yeah. got the assistance they needed. Yeah, I, I don't personally know anybody. I, I don't know time. exactly, you know, who it is or, or what they're providing. I've seen the lineups uh, at the Red Cross building downtown of 100 or 200 people in line. Um, they don't look all that happy coming out the other end. 
No. Well, will you go? They have a new office, that, uh, and I give you the address for that. Would you yeah. go to? The, you'll be going there uh, next week, right, or this coming week? Yeah, absolutely. We will definitely be going. Uh, down there. If they're open Tuesday, or if they're open tomorrow, we'll be there first in line. Now they say Tuesday is the, what they're going to open, but but it's troubling that you would go to Alberta Works, where there's this program that is supposed to be there for residents of Fort McMurray who return. And this program airs in Edmonton, in Calgary, and 6.30 Chet in Edmonton, and News Talk 770 in Calgary are great chorus radio stations in Alberta. It's troubling that Alberta Works supposed to have this program in place, and you go to the office, specifically in Fort McMurray, where you yep. think the people should be qualified enough to, to, yep. to resolve the issue and not hand you a bunch of paperwork and ask you, are you a Canadian citizen, this, that, the other? Yeah. Just provide proof of, of residence in Fort McMurray. You'd have that, I'm sure, for, you know, from utility bills place. and God knows what else. Exactly. That's what we did and to get, you know, the, the bits from the Red Cross way back when. We had to just show our driver's license. Has anybody else, so, are you aware of anybody else who's been turned away from that office? I haven't really asked many of my uh, friends. It's not fair of me to ask that. It's not fair. I should No, it's okay. We're just, just talking about your story. I don't tell anybody. I, I say this, but we're we're going to stay in touch with you. I'm going to call you before the or on the 14th and find out how things will have gone and what the Red Cross will have said to you, and then we'll take it from there. But you, you need you need help now, so I, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll, 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 we will not fail, Roy. I know, Failure that, is I know. not an option. I know. Yeah, yeah we'll talk soon. No we love we'll talk you. Soon. Thank you for everything, Roy. All right. Love well, you and Canada. Thank you. Yeah. You too, man. Um, you. Happy Thanksgiving, really. Yeah, you too, Roy. Happy okay. Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> Bye. Stacy and Kevin in Fort McMurray don't have the solution, just their story. The Roy Green Show, weekends from 2 to 5 on AM 900 CHML.